Hello, this is the Potters Podcast and welcome. After a sad weekend, obviously losing to Fulham 3-0, which was a bit of a wake-up call for all of us. And me and Andrew are obviously going to have a quick discussion about that, see what we thought about the game, where we think we could be at the end of the season. Are we going to be basically scrapping for the four positions of playoffs? Or will there be maybe a chance we could sneak into that? We're going to discuss all that. But also the breaking news, the big news that's come through this weekend, the slamming shut of the transfer window. Have we let all the right players go? Have we brought in what we think is enough to get us into the top six or maybe top two or even win it? We're going to go through all that. So, hello Ange, welcome back. How, how have you been? Desperately disappointed that we lost to Fulham, although it wasn't unexpected and I think it proved that there's still a fair way to go can consider themselves major contenders but uh, as I say it's one of those things you learn from and apart from that we had a quite an exciting transfer window a much better transfer window than we all imagined I think and um, a great end to it yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was a bit of a wake-up call for us, us Stoke fans once at the Fulham game. But it's been great so far. Obviously, yes, we'll talk about the transfer window, obviously, and slamming shut and all the ins and outs. We'll discuss everything about that. But, like I say, first we'll go into that Fulham game. What did you? What were your overall opinions of that game? Because, to be honest, I thought we were completely outplayed in that game. I thought we were outclassed. I thought it showed we had a very inexperienced back three. Um, Ostergaard couldn't have had a worse game if he'd have tried although you have to compliment him on the fact he did try he never hit all the way through I thought Wilmot was um, a little bit shaky too and even though he saved the penalty um, I thought that um, it was a bit mistake when Joe Bursick came out in the first place but it was the first penalty save we've had for quite a long time so going to relish that and I also relish the fact that the way he sort of interacted with the Fulham fans afterwards and um, he's got a bit of class about him Joe Bursic he, he's, I, I like him I think he's going to be a top class keeper yeah I think Bursic is I think it's the first save in two years in league football I think it's probably more than that but you know I know it's a long time and hopefully you won't have to do many more hopefully the defence will sort it out but we, we were second best all over the pitch in my opinion and Fletcher didn't get much to feed on, neither did Jacob Brown, and then they were changed around, there was a bit of a change around, but they were just too good, and I think it's a sign of, you know, they've come down, and you have to realise, or remember, that they came down because they weren't good enough, so there's, um, there's a long way to go yet. A game like that, does it change your mind on where we could possibly finish this season? Does it sort of like put us into the dogfighting positions of the playoffs now? Is that where you truly see where we are? Well, I think we've always been of the playoffs to get in the top two requires remarkable consistency something that we haven't been blessed with for a while I'd like to think we could get into the top two anybody that finishes above Fulham I think will get promoted but I think realistically you're looking at the playoffs I've got a feeling we could scrape into the playoffs it all depends on maybe one of the new signings that came in on deadline day um, which we'll go into so obviously the deadline day was on Wednesday it was a big day where a hell of a lot of people were just stuck to Sky Sports News and two did come in. Were you surprised by the two signings? One of them was Dehaney uh, from Huddersfield, a free transfer, and Simmy, a person that come out of nowhere. Well, as regards the guy from Huddersfield, he'd already been on um, having trials with the club, so I don't think that was as quite as unexpected as some people might have thought. And it's a short-term contract, which I think is quite sensible. When you look at the transfer window overall, we're still uh, a bit light on the right-hand side. If anything happens to Tommy Smith, I wouldn't fancy Tom Ince playing as a 
in that position. He's obviously been kept, Tom Ince, either because there wasn't a good enough offer coming for him or, or we knew we weren't going to get covers. So that answers the Huddersfield guy. In terms of the guy from Slavia Prague, Jonathan Davis, who works at Slavia Prague, sort of put out on, I think it was on Twitter earlier in the day that the, or the day before that that might happen. And then when you hear our chief executive speaking later on in the day, he said that he'd been on Stokes radar for a while and that uh, we were managed we managed to do a, a deal with Brighton straight away, which is one of those remarkable occurrences for Stoke where we've got somebody and we haven't bought them, if you know what I mean. We're probably paying a lot for his wages, but we haven't got to shell out any money. So it's a it's a no loss really. I don't know much about him other than I watched him in the Europa League last season and thought he was very quick, very good and I think he could score quite a few goals for Stoke this coming season but of course he's not trained at the club yet, he's away with Senegal, with our luck he'll probably get injured and we won't see him no, I think it's it can't be a bad signing, can it? You can never have too many forwards, can you? No, no, you can't. Knowing our luck, he'll do a sorry Bangori and we'll never see and him again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still not been found since. The, the thing is with uh, Simi, uh, the rumours from what I've been hearing through, obviously Twitter and other things that I've been looking on, that we were after him pretty much for a long time, but obviously we, we just couldn't agree a fee. Because obviously they wanted, you know, sit between five and six million pound, and and at this moment with FFP, we just simply can't afford it. Uh, next season we might have been able to get him, but this season we couldn't. So it is clever that you know we've gone out and gone Brighton, who've took a gamble on him on deadline day and gone, well we'll have him on loan, and they've they've agreed to it. It is it, it is clever because if he isn't a good player, we'll judge this season, won't we? It, it might not work out, but. Everything I've looked on, this player, Abdullah Isimi, hasn't even been playing professional football for, it's only a season and a bit, he's basically playing professionally, he's playing at the fourth tier of the French league system, which shows you that this lad's rose very quickly through the ranks and it could be somebody for the future this. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, look, as you've said, it's a, you can't lose, can you, in a situation like this, you just can't lose out. Let's hope that he's... Um, He's going to be the man that everybody thinks. I mean, I spoke to Jonathan Davis, who's Johnny Potter on Twitter, the other night, and I think in actual fact people will hear him on Radio Stoke after they've heard this podcast or before. But he said to me that his movement in and around the box is great and he's really good in the air. And what's the most important thing, he's got great composure in front of goal. So you can't knock anybody that's got that. And maybe he will drift in and out of games, but if he drifts in and scores a couple of goals, I mean... Tyrese Campbell, when he first came into the team, wasn't exactly a prolific worker, but he scored goals. So uh, if you look at his shot map from last season, you can see how good he is around the penalty area. So he's got a, he's got a, uh, the potential to be a prolific scorer for Stoke if, if he's given the service. And that's the big question if he gets the service, because that's what was really missing against Fulham, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, so now we'll move on to the other signing, which is Dunhanny, I think it's pronounced. Um, now, this one hasn't excited me, which is why I'm glad that it's been a short-term contract. Obviously, he came through the youth system at Manchester United, gave him a new contract, so he ended up at Huddersfield Town, where he's only played 14 times in three seasons, from what I've read. This one doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. Apparently, he's a right-back and can play in the right-wing role. Is, is he realistically going to be the backup right-wing-back for Tommy Smith, if, if there's any injuries? And is this why Tom Ince was kept? Just in case well, think, this lad isn't you ready. Know, I think that's probably correct. I, I think Tomins has been kept in case there's a, 
He's been kept for two reasons. Probably one, there wasn't an offer that he or the club thought was good enough, if there was an offer. And two, they didn't get anybody else in this cover. I know nothing about this guy, but if you look at the, the signings that we've made this window, they've been made on the identification of weaknesses and, and gaps in the squad. And he's filled that gap, on, albeit on a short-term basis. And that might also be because, you know, the, there's a bloke we've got out on loan to New York Red Bulls who might be coming back and could do a job too. I know you've got, you've got a love for Tom, Tom Edwards because you always bring him back, don't you? It's it's a player that you know I'm hoping does do well. I'm I'm am still a bit unsure of why we loaned him out to America. To be honest, you know if he can really shine out there, could he come back and be that first choice right wing back and replace Tommy Smith? But it's all ifs and buts at the moment, isn't it? I'm so... Yeah, it is ifs and buts, and and, and if, hand on heart, I've no idea about Tom Edwards. I've never seen reviews in America, completely different type of football. It would appear he's grown up and he's, he's quite a leader over there if you read all the reports. So let's hope because he's a died in the Wolfstoke footballer. He's, he's in the mould of Wilco and Dicko and hopefully he can come back and, and do a job. Yeah, that's all we've got out for. Right, so we'll go through the the players that have gone out during this window, and we'll and we'll judge if it's if all has been good leavers in your opinion. Obviously, McLean's gone, Collins has gone, Vim has gone, BMI's gone, Bruno Martin's Indy, Lindsay's gone, Cousins has gone, Woods has gone, Bowers gone, Badu's gone, uh, Vokes, Gregory. There's there's been a fair few players that have gone out, and there's probably a few have missed to be honest. But it's been. Pretty much every player out there, there's probably only two or three out of that list that I'm sad that have gone, really, at the end of the day. It has, it's been fantastic how they've got rid of these players, hasn't it? Well, I, I, I look at it in a different way. Afobi and Etebo will be back unless they are signed long-term by the clubs they've gone to because they still have longer times on the contract. So if you look at that, and the players that have gone will not have gone for nothing, Stoke will have either had to pay up portion of their contract up or uh, will be paying their wages so there won't be any slack on FFP because of that um, I think it's great that they're out of the building and, and I'm not sad to see any of them go because I think for the last few years um, it, our football's been appalling and as much as um, you can say well that's the recruitment the players play and they haven't done the job for Stoke um, so I, I'm not really bothered about who's gone. I think Etebo could have done a job for Stoke, but I think his goose was cooked when he first came back. Uh, I think the nicest one to get uh, to go was McLean, because he was obviously, something had gone wrong between him and the manager. I think he'd been looking to get away from the club, and you know, he didn't have the best of farewells for the football club. The, the one guy I feel a bit disappointed about, and, and not sorry for, but sad for, is Lee Gregory, because I think he was a workmanlike forward. He missed oodles of chances at Stoke. Um, and now, of course, he's gone to a club where he's going to be partnering the great side of Berghino. So, um, <laughs> the, he seemed, if Berghino plays like he played for Stoke, then he's got a bad luck again, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, quickly, on side of Berghino, I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Sheffield Wednesday fans. I put some on uh, Twitter saying to which, like the Sheffield Wednesday fan base, good luck. You know, it's it's incredible how, how they've decided to take a gamble on him after what's happened in his past. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what the gamble is, do you? You don't know how much it's cost. Um, 
certainly when you thought when you talk he talked about how he was going to sort himself out and come back with a bang Sheffield Wednesday isn't the sort of bang that you expected him to come back for I mean if ever there's a bloke with talent who hasn't fulfilled it it's him isn't it but so long as he doesn't come back to Stoke I I have no problem with where he goes and I just think we've we've had a really good transfer window in terms of it's probably cost us a lot of money to get the players out and we sold Nathan Collins clearly because we needed some money and I'd rather him have gone as we said in the last podcast than Harry Souter I wish him all the best um, and, and with that money we haven't spent much of it we, we've done well with what we bought in yeah I think it's he's the only one that I'm sad to have seen gone is Nathan Collins but it has probably meant that we could have signed five extra players that we brought in on loan to be honest it's it has been a good deal for the long run of the club but it's, it's like similarities with Arsenal and many other clubs who are in the Premier League and all over that a lot of clubs can't get rid of the deadwood and they become problems for years and years and years because they can't shift them out. And what I'm glad that Stoke have done this year is they've decided, right, we need to give this manager a clean slate. We didn't give it Rowett, we didn't give it Jones. Let's try his best and give Michael O'Neill everything he can do to build his own team, which is to get rid of the dead wood that he doesn't want and basically chains around his neck. So now with all these players going, I know, yes, obviously two can come back, Inafobi and uh, Etabu, but I think they're getting closer to the end of their contract, so something might be able to do, and FFP might be off his back a little bit more next season as well. Yeah, there is that, but also, if you look at next season, some of the players we've got in on loan, Ostergaard, if he plays really well, I can't see us keeping him, because they'll want him back, and then you look at the guy we just had from Brighton as well, he won't be staying. You look at the players we brought in, there's still going to be another significant amount of purchasing having to take place next year as well, isn't there? And I still am a bit concerned about the lack of a genuine defensive midfield player, if I'm honest. Well, we were touching on this early on, didn't we, when the transfer window started, that we both identified a right wing back and a holding midfielder as a, a vital position. Now, Romain Sawyers can play there, we know that, and so can Joe Allen to to a push. But that position is a big problem, which has got to be rectified next season. We just don't have a player that can who can do that as as his role. You know, we haven't got that can take kind of midfielder. And you know, when we look at the players that have come in the midfield, we've got Sawyers, we've got Varanchis, we've now got Joe Allen, we've got Klukas, we've got a few other players that are going to fit there. It's like who's going to fit into these roles? It's it's going to be a big task now for the manager into when we look at the players that have come in to fit these all in because Joe Allen's got play every week obviously because he's captain and he's undroppable and I have to say of the team at Fulham he was one of the better players and he was a really good he put a really good performance in in the last match got no qualms with Joe Allen after the last two three games he has been very he's proved me wrong and impressed me there's no getting round that but it's like I say where to put Sawyers, where to put Klukas, and it's keeping all these players happy now. That's that's the big thing because if we decide to keep playing Sawyers over Klukas by the end of the season, he might become a bad egg. He might be one we might have to ship out because he's unhappy about not playing. It is a bit of a mould that we've decided to buy a lot of the similar kind of players. Yeah, but you know, um, at the moment the the dressing room looks incredibly healthy, and you, you can you could see even when they were getting beaten by Fulham and I think if Fulham had scored that penalty the result would have been harsh but when you look at them they were still fighting they were still doing their best and I think it's a very healthy dressing room 
And and that in itself makes life easier if you're not playing. I mean, no, I agree with you. Everybody wants to play, and he's got a real tough job making certain that everybody stays happy. A good dressing room is is worth a, a lot more than than I think you and I realise in terms of people staying happy. Well, it's going to be a tough ask for him. Well, it's, we've seen it this season so far, haven't we? The big difference in the changing room and, the, and and on the pitch, these players want to play for the club. It was great when Ostergaard came out and said, I want the Stoke fans to feel that I'm not alone signing. And straight away, he does kind of feel like that. The fans love him. He, yeah, fair enough, he didn't play well against Fulham. But other than that, he's played brilliantly. And, you know, we look into the signings that have also come in, like Wilmot, who, you know, to be honest, looks like the new Rio Ferdinand. You know, Simith, with what he's been doing. Verancic has massively improved as well. Surridge, cracking little finisher and moves around well. Probably doesn't have the right pace, but he doesn't need the pace if you put the ball right where he can strike it on goal. There's not really a bad signing that I can pick out of any of the signings that's this year, which is got to be refreshing for a Stoke fan and refreshing for yourself because we haven't been doing we haven't gone through a window like this for ages where you've looked at it and gone yeah we've bought rubbish in or I'm not sure about that the only one I'm unsure about obviously is Dunhanny but it's a short deal so I'm not I'm not too bothered if he doesn't work out he's gone in January so we can't really knock it can we it's been a fantastic set of inward players yeah and what is it 30 deals I think in total um, oh, it's that, a lot, yeah. That's, that Stoke have done. And then you've got the young lad that's joined as a first-year pro as well. And I think a lot of people will, in 12 months' time, look at the loans that we've done of our youth players uh, and see that that's just as important as the as the transfers that we've done. You know, they, they got the players out, which gave the room to bring in players in the squad. And the, the loans from the youngsters will develop them as players, which indeed could save Stoke money in the future. Well, yeah, I wanted to quickly talk about that. Well, you know, Will Forrest has gone to Mansfield on loan. Eddie Jones has followed with a good good year, is a goodwill, to Hartlepool. And uh, one that I'm, I'm actually very happy with is Christian Norton going to Cheltenham, which is great for Norton because he's at that age where he needs to play. And the other lads are all going to go out and get experience now. And it's it's been... Like I say, I can't knock anything this time. The, the only thing I can possibly knock is Tom Ince not going. But it has been a really good window. And when you look at those young lads that have gone out, it looks like now, even when we're in the Premier League, nobody was interested in our young lads other than you know League 1 and League 2. And they weren't really playing them as first-team players. Whereas now, we've got this credibility now where, these, where League 1 clubs and League 2 clubs are desperate to get our players on loan. Can you explain to me how this major improvement from our youth system has come on in the, in the last two, three years? Well, I think anybody that has spoken to me or, or, or knows anything about the, the youngsters at the club have seen that this particular group of players have been outstanding. And, and they're not all local. I mean, Christian Norton, we took in, I think it was, was it from Southampton? Uh, Middlesbrough, one too, we got in from. Was it Middlesbrough? One of them, was it very, one of them we took from Southampton anyway. But the players we've brought in, uh, whilst a lot of them are local, there's a couple of good ones coming and join us who haven't quite made it at other clubs. But we've got young players coming through now, and that's as a result of decent coaching and Gareth running the academy in a in a much better, much improved way. So the conveyor belt's there, and, and people like Christian Norton, who's gone to Cheltenham, he said, Forrester's gone to Mansfield, Eddie Jones, who's gone to Hartlepool, they'll all come back, you would hope, as better players. Tyrese Campbell went on loan and came back a better player. 
Uh, Harry Suter went on loan and came back a better player. The one I'm surprised hasn't gone out is uh, Mr Porter. I thought he might have gone on loan. I think he's got plans for Adam Porter. Yeah, I am sure they have too, but when you think of all the players they brought in, I can't see him playing other than the odd League Cup game. But I think that's a, a lead way that we saw last season. I, I, f- I feel that if there's ones who really rates and, and there's good information, because everything I've heard about Adam Porter is he's been one of the best players on your, in our youth academy for the last two, three years. I've got a feeling that if, if Porter can have a great performance in the next League Cup game, he could probably be considered as a suitor and all that and might be able to break into the first team. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think there's seven players, isn't there, out on these, what, what the club call development loans? Yeah, and it's great that we started doing that now because you've got to remember players like Oliver Shenton and James Alarby, I think, was one who was banging in goals at youth level but then never really got an opportunity. You know, at least now they aren't staying at the club too long where they're not getting any experience. Like, the problem is with Oliver Shenton, he was in our, our under-23s for about four years and not really getting any... He got, I think, two appearances for the club under Mark Hughes. Whereas now, these players are going out on loan to experience and get stronger and learn the game. You know, there's no point having a youth player that's going to just sit in the reserves no. for three, four years rotting. Because I still do believe that there was a good player in Shenton, but I think because he was constantly playing youth level, even when he was, you know, in his early 20s, you know, 23, 24, it, it, it cost him in the end. And I think we've done an incredible bit of business this year with getting a lot of our talent out on loan that needs it and is ready for it. And, you know, if Norton goes away and bangs 18 goals and comes back, he could slot perfectly in for Simi. You know, that it, it is a clever idea on what they're doing. Because I, I do rate Norton. I just think he needs to sharpen up on his finishing. And we can't yeah. knock him. He's going to League One to learn that sharpness, hopefully, now. So it's been, a, it's been a magnificent window. Before we move on, I wanted to ask you, what is the best bit of in-business that you, so far, think that the club's done? Uh, players coming in? Wow, that's a tough one. I haven't seen enough of Sawyers. I, I would think Surridge will get us a few goals that we missed last season. I, I think he will score quite a few goals. I think he'll be double figures. But for me, the man that can make all the difference is Rancic. Play a game with Rancic. Yeah, I, I think his ability to hit a dead ball, calm things down, he's class. And whilst his legs might not be the greatest, I think he'll prove to be um, a very astute bit of business. I, I agree. Um, I'm getting with Ben Wilmot. Yeah, I thought you might. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> See, I agree it's Verancic. I think he's class. He's he's proved it at the Premier League. He's he's proved it at this level many a time. And for two years, possibly three, if if he if he avoids injuries and keeps himself going, I think he is that bit of class in the midfield. I think he's our most important midfielder now because he brings that something extra that none of the other players have got, which is calmness on the ball and got that great left foot that, that will create goals. No question of it. Um, he probably, for me, it probably would have been um, Ostergaard if we could have got him on a permanent basis. But you know, it's all ifs and buts. I think it's. I think so far it's been great, and we obviously we'll score it at the end. But I think we both agree with Vrancic then, don't we? Yeah, which is a bit of a worry. And of course, the other thing that is almost like a new signing is that it now appears that we've got power for at least another twelve months. Yes, which is all, which is what was going discuss later right so out of all the outs which there's absolutely thousands of them from what I remember the one who's left who's the, which is the best bit of business on the outside of things well I think it's really hard to pick one because I was happy as I said for all of them to go but heart and heart because of the 
not because of his ability as a footballer, because I think he was actually extremely limited anyway, but you couldn't fault him on the pitch for the effort he put in. I think James McLean going because of the baggage he was bringing to the club. Yeah, he's up there, but for me, without a question of a doubt, it's the fridge, Kevin Vimmer. Getting rid of him has been... He's, he's been basically the scapegoat for everything, Anthony, for, for the last four or five years. The reason why I like his level more than anything else is he did the honourable thing, which is what I'm going to give him a bit of credit for here. He actually decided to just go. You know, he, he didn't ask for loads of money or this, that and the other. He wanted to go to go and play football. So I will give him a bit of credit. It's been nothing but a waste of time, don't get me wrong. But at least he did that little bit. Because I know none of the others did. Yeah, he did. I, I'm going to go with him and the reason, it, and I'm a, I'm a bit proud of him for that, really, because he has done a bit of an honourable thing and not taken money out of the club because he's been taking it for four years, so he might as well go, yeah, go on, I'll go. Because let's be honest, none of the others have. Right, so now we'll move into, yeah, obviously Nick Powell, he signed a new contract with an extension of a role, and it's a one-year contract, isn't it, that will extend. Got to be the best bit of business this window, Auntie, to be honest, to get keep Nick Powell for another year. Well, I think keeping him was very important. I think it will also be good for the squad because there are going to be injuries, there are going to be lack of form, and we do seem to have, uh, for most positions, apart from uh, Tommy Smith's position, we have two players for every position. So when he's not quite on form or, or if he twists his toenail, you know, and has to go off, um, then, then we've got cover. But Nick Powell is a very creative player and should not be playing in the championship and, and we I'm glad we've got him for that reason because he's class. Incredible yeah. player and, and we miss him we missed him against Fulham as well in my opinion. I think we could have probably held his own a bit up higher up the pitch if if he was playing. Yeah, I agree. Right, so now we'll go into the rating of the transfer window as a whole. What are we gonna go in as? Well, you'll go in with a five, I'm sure. No, um <laughs> being serious <laughs> Had Tom Ince have gone, and, and I have nothing against Tom Ince, by the way, I think Tom Ince just hasn't proved the ability. There's a good player in Tom Ince, but for some reason it hasn't worked at Stoke. Um, when I spoke to him after the last match, he, he was very down. He, he, quite clearly, I think he, was, he kept saying he wanted to play football, he had to play football. Um, had he have gone... I would have given the window a 10. As he, we've still got him, just because he's the last player of that legacy, uh, I'll give it a 9. A 9? Yeah. I'm not that harsh, obviously. Um, I was thinking of a 6, but I'm going to go in. I'm going to go in with a 10, to be honest. And I, I can only go in with a 10 because the amount of players that have... It's, it's just the amount of business that we've done to help my colonial the best we possibly can and we give him everything really. Vokes has gone, Vim has gone, Badu's gone, you know, all these players have gone. And you have to take credibility for that because it's been absolutely magnificent to see all this play all these players go and give him a clean slate with this new system with Alex Alden. Alex Alden. See I'm I'm gonna take you to task there because oh. I don't believe the system's any different. What do you mean? Well, I I believe that the system is still the same as when it was with previous managers. The manager always has the final say on transfers at Stoke City. The chief executive doesn't pick the players, the manager has the final say. So I would suggest, well, if Alex Aldridge might pick out players, it's the manager who tells him who he wants to be looked at. And I think that you'll find that that will come to light very soon, that nothing really has changed. 
the only thing that's changed is that perhaps the current management team is better at looking at players. Well, it could be it could be a case of him. What's it called as well? Alex Aldridge bringing an, an analytic system in, working with Mark O'Neill. Whereas before, yeah, it was... I would agree with that. But ultimately, Ian, the manager has always had the final say on transfers at Stoke City. Well, we, we said this last time, but who signed Bauer in and die? The manager. Which one? We had none at that point, didn't we? Well, we did for one, and the other manager already wanted him. But that's history. I, I believe what I believe. Everybody's entitled to, to knock what I say, but I don't think much has changed behind the scenes other than they've at last started looking for less Vimmers and Vokes and more uh, players that um, aren't fridges and wardrobes. Well, that's it. No more fridges and wardrobes, and that's that's only the, the, the positive side we can look at, and plus both of them are gone. The good thing is that we're going into the window and we're going into the rest of the season now with Michael O'Neill with what he wants. We, we've, we've got a good chance of obviously making the playoffs now and we'll move into the next thing which is obviously the next game which is Huddersfield Yeah, before we do that I I just think the most important thing of the transfer window is that the players look hungry there's no big time Charlies and they're obviously younger but when you look at the uh, transfer market this window and it'll be similar in January I think only 14 players in the championship moved for a fee Right, there were 82 in 2019, and of those 14 players, only 10 cost a million or more. And I think we bought one or maybe two of those. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, um, but there you go. Sorry, I've interrupted you. So we're on to the next game. Yeah, it's good. I do. That's quite crazy, isn't it? That there's there's not been any money spent. What? Why do you think that's been going on recently? Is it just COVID or is it ineffective? It's COVID. People not having not having the, uh, the the disposable money, I guess. Well, it's happening also in the higher levels, isn't it? You know, Messi, Mufanote, yeah. Sergio Ramos. I think football might be changing to a more American kind of system if it carries on. Yeah. Right, so now we'll go into Huddersfield Town then. What do you expect? What do you think? I think the most important thing is to see what happens with the internationals because... If you look at Adam Davis, he couldn't go because he'd got COVID. Joe Allen, obviously, hopefully won't get COVID. He might be injured. You don't know until the players come back from the internationals. You don't know who you've got fit and who you haven't got fit. So I think it'd be very hard to pick the team. This new guy, I'm sure he won't start. Either of the new guys won't start. I think he'll stick with Fletcher and Brown up front. Um, and bring Surridge on again uh, but I, I think if Fletcher doesn't cut the mustard very quickly in this match I think he will change it um, I think Powell will probably play um, but picking the team is really really difficult when you think of all the options Stoke have got now Yeah that that's the thing I was going to say about you know players like Stephen Fletcher and, and others like last season it was quite easy to pick the side because we didn't have any strength and depth but this year it's completely different where you know, I know there's a lot of people every time I put up on before the game, I say, what, what do you think about the team? And this is a squad that I personally pick. And then people make their own decisions. And every time I put Stephen Fletcher in, people are going, no, 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 I want Surridge in ahead of, ahead of Fletcher. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of choice. And do you, do you think it's an odd task now for Michael O'Neill to pick a regular 11 that he can stick with? I do, and, 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 and it's a good hard task to have. I mean, one thing I will say is if um, I know the England game that Bursic was involved in was cancelled, um, 
I, w- I think he's an, a, a nailed on to start. Um, I think the back three will stay the same. So, again, Suter's been travelling all around the universe. He'll be coming back from Vietnam or wherever they're playing next week. So, you've got to uh, hope that he'll be fit and rested. So, th- your back four will be the same. I think Smith, Ostergaard, um, Suter and Bursic. Uh, I think Joe Allen will play if he's fit. Um, I would be tempted to play Doughty. I, I'd give Alfie Doughty a, a try. Um, but it's a very difficult choice. He, he'll base it on how people have come back from internationals and how they've trained. Because uh, we played a game against Man United, didn't we, and won 4 3 the other day. And you don't know how people showed in that game, too. Yeah, there was not, it was not well publicised at many times, that wasn't. I mean, I don't know the, the team or who played and who scored, really. Unless it, unless it was it did come out somewhere, um, it, it's. I think there's a bit of a a change happening with the side. I think the back three now is is in stone. I think he's going to stick with that three of Wilmot, Ostergaard, and obviously Suter because I think Suter now has become pretty much the best defender at the club or mainstay. But I think the left wing back is up for a debate. I mean, I know we know we've seen an improvement in timing, but Doherty's not done exactly wrong when he's been picked. I think Tommy Smith's obviously picked number one because really there's nowhere else to pick. But then that yeah. midfield every week becomes a bit of a who'd you pick? And this could be a big problem with with the a lot of signs that have come in is that if he's changing them every week, it can have a bit of a bad effect, which we saw last season and, and especially under Nathan Jones where he was changing the team week in, week out. Yeah, that, that, that was because he didn't know his best side. But if you yeah. look at if you look at next Saturday, you've got Huddersfield. Then you've got Barnsley, right? So yeah. you're playing Huddersfield and you're playing Barnsley. So you've got Huddersfield, Barnsley, then Derby. You're gonna change. He's gonna change that team for one of those matches. Well, yeah, he's going to have to, yeah, because I think one of them is a midweek game as well, isn't it? So yeah, the Barnsley game. So yeah, this way it becomes a bit difficult, isn't it, with it being a. Ch- that's what that's what I've always said that the Championship is one of the oldest leagues to manage in, in the world in League 1 and League 2 because there's that many midweek games and you've, you've got to keep swapping and changing so to yeah. keep consistency is the hard thing yeah and, absolutely and, and you know I'm hoping I'm hoping to see Verancic and Powell together again because I think that's where we play really good attacking football and that's when we look like we can really carve teams open with an ease you know when one of them's missing we look a bit laboured so yeah, he, but what what might happen, Ian, is that he'll start off with Vrancic and Powell, and then when Vrancic's legs start going, or when Powell gets kicked up in the air after 70 minutes, because he doesn't seem to make his changes till 70 minutes. Yeah, it's always 70 he, minutes. <laughs> he, he, he'll change it. So Vrancic's legs might go if Stoke are winning, they'll change that, put Sawyers on, or put somebody else on, and Powell might be taken off and, and replaced by by Doughty or again by Sawyers. I think he's got options now. We didn't have a plan B this year. I think we've got a better chance of a plan B. Well, sorry, last year. I think we've got a better chance of a plan B this year. Well, definitely, because we've got, we've got the players for it now and it's got to prove that you can fit them in. I mean, we, I mean, there's a lot of people who thought Sawyers was going to start, but, you know, who would you take out for Sawyers, in your opinion, if, if it came down to that? I, honestly, I have no idea. That's why I'm interested <laughs> to see what other people think of the team. Because you could ask most Stoke fans this week who would play in, in the team, and there'd be a variety of opinions. And then, of course, you've got the internationals, as I've said, to, to look at, because there's been a bit of flying involved. Uh, you've got the problem of COVID um, 
it seems to be uh, getting to football again. So you're just not sure who's going to be 100% fit. I know it's a complete change all the time, isn't it, with the, with the division? Yeah, I mean, Adam term. Davis at the moment is isolating, so he yeah. will have spent 10 days isolating, doing no training. Well, I'm, I'm, would you a bit surprised that Davis didn't leave uh, this one? Well, I, I think Davis is probably not going to want to be number two. Um, nobody's going to want to be number two. And I think if he hasn't fought his way into the team by January, I think he'll probably be looking for a move. And you can't blame any player for doing that. I, I, look, I think he's a really, really competent goalkeeper. And I, I've told, I said last week that his stats stand up really well. But ultimately, Joe Bursick's going to be a better keeper than him. And uh, it's obvious that Michael O'Neill is, is keeping the faith with Joe. I can understand with Joe. It's like many years ago when Chelsea had Czech and, and Courtois, you know, they decided to go for the younger goalkeeper because... There's obviously more a longer period of time you can have with him. Adam Davies isn't the oldest of man. I'm not saying he's like you know mid thirties, but you know he, he is a player yeah. that you know there's more value in Berger, isn't there? And that's what yeah, he's going, that's what he's going with, isn't he? At the end of the day, yeah. which finally is good common sense from the club, you know, yeah. to go with to you know try and force the younger man to become the better pick because obviously he Definitely. could go for 20, 30 million rather than five. It's a, it is a big difference. Right, so what do you reckon with the score? We'll do a quick score prediction on Huddersfield first. 2-1 Stoke. 2-1 Stoke. I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-0. I've got a feeling on 2-0. I've no idea why, but I've just got a feeling. I've got but a feeling... you'll have Ben Wilmot scoring the winning goal, won't you? No, I'm not going to have Ben Wilmot. It was, the winning goal was going to be Simmer off the bench. That's, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> you've, got, you've got an obsession with Ben Wilmot. And... Yeah, I know. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right, so then we'll move it to Barnsley. What do you think about the Barnsley game? Well, I think both games are going to be tough, but I think Barnsley will be, they, they're starting to kick in again, they had a great season last season, I think they'll be difficult too, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how, how we play against Barnsley, given that it's, it's a match very close on, two home matches, you couldn't, look, nobody wants to lose the match before the international break, but then you can bounce back with two good home matches, and a game against Derby on the Saturday, I think we should be looking to get maximum points from these two home matches. So I think it'll be tough, but I, st- I think Stoke will nick it 2-0. I think you're very positive there. <laughs> um, I've, I think we'll struggle against Barnsley. I, I think they've a really well put together side, Barnsley. It, it is miraculous. We are, well, we are, yeah, but I think Barnsley have just... I don't know what's with them. Like, I couldn't name a player, but they keep winning. I, I don't, I've got a feeling on a draw again with Barnsley, to be honest. I've got a feeling on a 1-1, similar off the bench okay. again. Right, so we were mentioning Derby. Now, Derby's become a bit of an interesting subject, especially at the moment because of, obviously, the what's been going on behind the scenes with them. What, do you, what are your feelings on that game? We always struggle at Derby. Sorry, always. Most of the times we struggle at Derby. I'm going to look, I've looked at the fixture list for September, and obviously Huddersfield, Barnsley, Derby, then we've got Hull and Preston, right? And I think we'll win four matches out of five. I think we'll be unbeaten in September, and I think we'll beat Derby. I think we'll beat Derby, yeah, I really do. Um, I think one non, one non, Derby. One non? Yeah. It's a bit low, I'm game three. Mm-hmm. I, I am game three, I think we'll batter Derby. Because okay. they're, they're in free fall, aren't they, Derby? It's just Quite frankly, Ian, I think what we should do now is we should just go through the whole season. I think we'll probably lose two matches this season. We'll win the league with record points. <laughs> You'll have Simmer coming off the bench scoring every week. I'll have Wilmot scoring the odd game. Why bother? 
Well, we're predicting because there's three games and then obviously till next Sunday when we do another podcast. So we've got to run through it, haven't we? <laughs> You're right, yeah. it was just one game. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got a feeling on a big win against Derby. I think they're also not far away from the decision from the the FA, uh, the FA is it? Yeah, we're going to tell them what their point deduction is. Hopefully that's right on the Friday before the game to, to demoralise them and then we turn up. That's what I'm hoping. Simmer off the bench for two as well. <laughs> this guy, I don't know why he's on the bench. He always comes off and scores. Why not play him? No, after that, he's first choice. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll probably lose at Preston then, because if he plays all the way through. But oh, I, I don't know with Preston. I don't know, but we're not going that far ahead. We'll discuss no, that on another no, podcast. Right, so that's been another podcast done, and that's been fantastic. Yes, um, just last thing: if anybody's a Congleton Town supporter and they listen to the podcast. Perhaps you'll get in touch with Ian and, and say how good this Max McCarthy is who's, who's joined Stoke as a first-year pro because anybody who supports the football club and then goes off and plays for another local side, it must be just like all your Christmases coming at once. He, he had a successful trial at Stoke and he's joined and it'll be just lovely to see him run out soon in a first-team shirt replacing Simmer off the bench and <laughs> scoring a goal. <laughs> You want to get on that bench with Simmer there. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks for that, Ange. Cheers. Cheers. Another one finished. You know where we are? We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just type in the Potters Podcast, you'll find us easy. We're on all podcast platforms now, so you can follow us on anyone you're on. So if you like Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, you can just download there. If you're on iTunes, give us a five-star review. Say something nice. If you don't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. I was told that when I was a kid. So thanks for listening. ta All the best. <laughs>